0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are actually twice, uh, twice a day now or maybe like three times a day. I don't really know. Uh, I do know we are doing the All 32 is the catchy name. We came up for it. Uh, we're going to cover all 32 teams in the NFL with a smart person who knows about said team. Uh, today's the first, actually first episode and thrilled to be welcoming friend of the program, uh, Cowboys, a national NFL writer personality at slater nfl on twitter jane slater reporter for the nfl network and uh, host of the boys and girl podcast Jane, what's up what's up the
1: inaugural episode man i hope i don't i i hope i don't uh fall on my face here and then you know you guys might have to scrap the all <laughs> 32
0: uh no what will happen is we'll get through like the cowboys and the patriots and the Steelers. And they'll be like, yeah, you know what? We don't feel like calling anybody about the Jaguars. So we launched with the East, and we couldn't think of anybody better to talk Cowboys uh than you. You uh, Like, you've been on fire. I, I mean, you know, obviously you're great at your job, but, like, I feel like you've had, like, scoops on scoops lately. Is that right?
1: Uh, you know, as much as you can. I, I think a lot of people are wanting to scoop on the Dak Prescott contract. I think that's the most pressing one. But I think a lot of us are going to be hard-pressed to get some of that information. You know, I think – You know, both sides are still at this sort of standstill. We've seen some of these reports that have come out, and they were erroneous. The Cowboys haven't really had any meaningful conversations at last check uh, since ahead of of the draft when they placed that exclusive franchise tag on Dak. And everyone keeps saying, well, is it getting contentious? Well, I wouldn't characterize it as contentious, but I will say that there is frustration in dealing with uh, Dak's camp in the sense that they feel like they have put together a, a... offer that makes him the second highest paid uh quarterback depending on what metrics you look at uh number one in other metrics uh but they feel like it is not only a, a, an appropriate offer uh but one that's even perhaps better than it should be for a guy who hasn't uh, necessarily gone on to go super deep in the playoffs now that's not a knock on deck um but I also, I really appreciated Bill Barnwell uh, of ESPN's report that came out today where he very extensively explains what Todd France of CAA, his agent's position is, and how he's trying to get his client the best deal. And, you know, you can put this on the Cowboys a little bit. The Cowboys yeah. should have gotten this done last year, uh, but instead they they paid Ezekiel Elliott two years ahead of his contract. And now you find yourself in a position that that we haven't really seen in the league when as it relates to putting this exclusive franchise tag on a quarterback. I think Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins, are the only guys that they've done this with. And typically when they've got guys that are coming up for a contract, they get this thing done a year or two in advance. So you sort of can see both sides of the argument. What I will tell you is everyone has this notion that Andy Dalton is a plug and play guy. And and I'm not taking anything away from Andy Dalton. Uh, You know, I even covered him last year when I was working for CBS doing sidelines or two years ago and that's when Andrew Luck came back for his first game mm. against the Colts. And Andy went out there and, and beat him in Indianapolis. Right. He is a bona fide starter. And my sense is in talking to some people, he's really gelled in these virtual meetings. And there have certainly been discussions about how well that's going with Andy Dalton. Uh, and here's a guy that you, you're you paying $3 million to pay up to seven. It's an intriguing possibility but I will tell you that locker room across the board loves Dak. There is a reason why Tony Romo, who I always joke, it's sort of sacrilegious for people to talk out against Tony Romo because he was so revered. Just
0: especially on this podcast, because right, you know, As a, right. Like, <laughs> of course, CBS be fired by Tony. No, the room, him. Jane, read the room. <laughs> uh,
1: but Dak did such a good job. As I always remind people, four string on the depth chart, Jamil Showers, who ended up switching to defense, was ahead of him on the depth chart. He did such a good job uh stepping into that role. I'll never forget the game where he beat uh, Green Bay on the road, which I think is when Mike McCarthy really decided like, wow, this guy's got something mm. and just how awkward that conversation was, not only with Jason Garrett, but Jerry Jones after saying, so when's Tony getting back and is Tony getting his job back? And there was a lot of hemming and hawing. And then of course, ultimately Tony Rummel goes into that press room and sort of catches a lot of people off guard and says he's deferring the job to That's Dak. And, And I was told by multiple people it wasn't his job to defer to. So there was a little bit like, where did that come from? Uh, So the whole thing's been interesting to watch, but I think it is probably a little frustrating uh, for those involved. And again, I haven't personally spoken to Dak in a long time, but I've got to imagine it's a little frustrating that you're like, wait a minute, I have played for less than a million each year since I've been a rookie. I've galvanized this locker room. And while there's a lot of endorsement deals that come with playing for the Cowboys and – While putting that star on your helmet's a big deal. And, you know, you guys made me the franchise guy. I mean, I've been playing under my market value for years, and now we're hemming and hawing over paying me at what I perceive my market value to be. I think that there is – I can see why the two sides were where they are. Now, with that being said, last summer I said they were going to get this deal done. I said it was going to be Dak, (laughs) Amari, Zeke, and then it was Zeke, Amari, Dak. I still think they're going to get this thing done, uh, by the July 15 deadline, but I've also been told they're also of the opinion of we do have an exclusive franchise tag that he has to play on.
0: Let me ask you this, because I sat with Dak, I sat and did an interview with Dak at the Super Bowl. Uh, very briefly, but you know, like a one-on-one thing. And, and, uh, like while we were waiting for it to start, cause they were sending a video, I was like, dude, you should really just play out the franchise tag. Like you really shouldn't sign anything the Cowboys offer you. Cause like whatever, like, like you, that's the way to make the most money. He's like, what? What do you, what do you, you, why are you telling me? Don't say that to Like this is my money, bro. Like why you, why are you messing with my money? But uh, like, I think my sense is that he would love to just get a deal done and get really rich. But at this point, the Cowboys have, have, delayed it such that he probably does feel a little bit of personal like it's not that it's become personal but then it's like like why won't you just pay me what i'm worth and it's not like he's asking them to pay him for past performance he has been playing undervalued but he is expected to only get better in mike mccarthy's system and only be better for the next few years like they're paying for the future and to set up the future it's so weird that this is where jerry jones takes a stand
1: It's sort of when you see, like, your siblings get away with so much, and you're like, oh, wait, so now you decided to take a stand with me? Yeah. It's like we had a curfew for so long of 2 o'clock in the morning for my older siblings, and now you're going to enforce a 12 o'clock curfew for me? Help me understand that. It does feel like it's sort of different rules here that they've decided to now all of a sudden manage the cap uh, and do a better job at that with the one guy that they actually probably should overpay. And I say they should overpay him by virtue of who he is, how he carries himself off the football field, how he carries himself with their sponsors, the way he carries himself in that locker room. He is everything you want in a guy. And I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find that guy, not only in the draft, but as a free agent. And so I I think that that's probably where it's like, look, I've done everything you've asked me for. And look, not a knock on Zeke, but – you know, Zeke was in the headlines, and he went to Cabo, and he held out. He got suspended. And, I mean, he got suspended for And what, you literally, you say? He got suspended. You, right. And you literally pay him two years ahead of his contract. No. And I, so I, I think that that is where, and unfortunately, you know, he could have, Dak could have used the leverage of holding out in OTAs with the new coaching staff, et cetera, and had it pack a punch. But with it being virtual, and it just doesn't feel like it has the same sort of, of punch. No, not at all. And so I I just, I, what I think I'll leave you on the one thing. I I think what's unfortunate for Dak too, is given this pandemic, people losing their jobs, you know, a lot of people have a lot of time to focus on a lot of stuff. And right now it's like, I feel like the narrative on Dak is like, well, greed, he's not a team first guy. If you ask anyone that knows Dak, that couldn't be further from the truth. If you want to be mad at someone, be mad at his agent, but also don't be mad at his agent because he's doing exactly what he's paid to do which is go get your client the most money. So I also feel if you want to be mad, maybe direct your frustration at the Cowboys for not getting this thing done. But I think what's unfortunate is he is, I feel like, losing a little bit of the uh, the public sentiment battle in oh. the sense that people are just looking at Dak going, how much money do you want? Like for whatever reason, they're getting caught up in, he doesn't deserve 36, whatever. I'm like, so did Jared Goff, did Carson Wentz, did these guys deserve? And by the way, after they got paid, have they justified said contracts? I also think what's happening here is the Cowboys were so steadfast that they were not going to overpay at the running back position. I was told Todd Gurley didn't deserve Todd Gurley money. Well, they went and paid Zeke that money. Yeah. And then last year you don't see the production you would have liked out of Zeke. And you could argue, well, that's not Zeke's fault that had to do with the way they were scheming things up and, and offensively the direction that they took. But then you had Todd Gurley who didn't have necessarily the year after he got paid. So now I feel like they're using all of this stuff as reasons not to pay Dak. And so now I feel like it's sort of this perfect storm and Dak's not getting paid. And I I do think as Demarcus Lawrence once explained to us in the media, I thought it was pretty good, pretty good uh, advice. And I'm ignoring it here as I talk about it, but (laughs) don't come to me and ask me on another man's money, you know, but I'm just, I'm giving the reasons why when, you know, we're on the outside, we're covering this thing, uh, why I can see both sides of the argument, but, also a little unfortunate that Dak is sort of getting caught up in everything that's going on right now. That's making him look like the bad guy. Cause I can tell you he's actually one of the good guys.
0: We can do this entire uh, podcast on Dak Prescott, but we're going to take a break Offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. On a scale of one to ten, how big is the impact of the loss of Travis Frederick?
1: Um obviously it's a loss. You lose a guy as smart as he is and he was such a, a natural leader on the line. The good news is, uh, if you can find the silver lining when he went through Guillaume Baret, you had Joe Looney with him lockstep and they brought Joe Looney back.
0: So but like Mike McCarthy coming in, how much of a transition do you think there will be for all these parties involved? And how concerning is that for the Cowboys offense? Like a new offensive system, um, you know, a new coach, losing the starting center, quarterbacks not under contract, uh, all of that. Like how many red flags do you see built into there?
1: You know, it's fascinating. Obviously you've got a coach with some skins on the wall and he brought a lot of guys with him that have skins on the wall. Uh, Mike Nolan, Jim Sula, you know, go down the list. Um, But I, I am curious to see how, and Mike even addressed this with us, when we had a conference call with him, what was it? I think last week and my days are running together. No, it's fine. But he was asked, Do you think that you've you sort of lost some ground? I'm going to paraphrasing, lost some ground here with the virtual chats. I mean, I don't know if he had a huge touch point with with that many players before the pandemic happened. Even he said he was here for about two weeks at the beginning of the pandemic, and then he's been with his family in Wisconsin ever since. And so it's been virtual chats. Now I would argue you can develop some pretty good chemistry on these virtual chats, maybe more so than in person because you know, when someone's not being a cap, (laughs) it's not a captive audience, right? Like I can see you. Um, So, and I also feel like there's a little bit of this like trust tree, sort of like you're in this room and it creates this weird, Oh, I'm just going to overshare. I did house party the first couple of weeks or first couple of days of pandemic. And I was like, wow, I'm really oversharing in here with like a bunch of friends. Maybe I need to get off of here. Uh, My point is, I I am going to be curious to see, you know, you've got teams like the Saints who didn't do the virtual OTAs because they have the system. It's been in place for, you know, 14 years. It's essentially the the same terminology. For the most part, a lot of the same guys here in, in this recent window. In Dallas, you know, Mike said he didn't want to get into, like, the overreaching philosophies of things. He was trying to keep it as simple as possible. Um, the terminology trying to, to not dumb it down, but sort of I? bite size, Sure. Because To their point, these are voluntary OTAs and typically get to training camp. You sort of revisit a lot of this stuff and you implement it. But I just think that sort of team chemistry, getting to know your position coach, being in those rooms, getting the rookies in with the veterans, you can't really replace that. And so I am going to be curious to see how all that works. Now, I do think the other thing that we haven't talked enough about is the loss of Randall Cobb, the loss of Jason Witten, the loss of, you know, Travis Frederick. Just having some of those veterans in the locker room, I think, was a big deal. And then we'll see if the Gerald McCoys, the Alden Smiths, the Don Terry pose I always forget about Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I for, like we don't talk about him enough that they've added him yeah. know, to this roster. How some of these free agents uh, are going to assimilate into this locker room, but I think they've done a pretty good job with free agency this offseason. More impressive free agents than I feel like they've done in the past.
0: Uh, well, let me. I, 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 that, that leadership thing is, is is very interesting. I that's something like to. I think to put a pin in and think about as we get a little closer to the season, because like we can make fun of Jay, you know, I'm not making fun of Jason Witten. We can joke about Jason Witten and his hairpiece and, you know, three, you know, five yard catches, five outs, whatever it is. But like the dude is like one of the most respected Cowboys of all time. And people listen to what he would say in the locker room. And he was a very close connection to the head coach uh, there as well, as you point out, Randall Cobb. And so now like the onus is sort of on, Amari and Dak and Zeke, and you can talk about the different leadership styles. Well, therein, and, or you and, I, and
1: we've, we've seen Dak step up, you know, it's, it's funny, Dak, I think just being the same age as a lot of the guys in the locker room, I, I think he didn't really know where his place was, mm. but I think it's, it was his spirit on the sidelines. It was, it's his positivity. It was the optimism. He would find ways to win where in the past we saw this team find ways to lose. And I think that was what was addicting um, and infectious for a lot of his teammates. You know, you've still got to guy go like Sean Lee. Uh, I think Sean Lee didn't know what his voice was as he was injured again and Leighton Van Der Esch had to step up. Well, then Leighton Van Der Esch gets injured, and then you're seeing Sean Lee back in the lineup. And we saw Sean Lee really firing this team up. This is a guy that all seasons in Santa Barbara and would fly back to Dallas just to fly to Oxnard with the team. Like, that to me is that's pretty good, yeah. true leadership. That's, that's who Sean she is. he wants
0: to be a part of the, of the team. Uh, okay, I'll ask you this, and we'll get you out of here. Um So we have the over under for the Cowboys is nine and a half wins. The over is actually minus 145. So it's the expectation is 10 wins or more. What is a successful season for the Dallas Cowboys in 2020?
1: Can I employ the Mike McCarthy that he just dropped on us the other day that he doesn't operate in hypotheticals? I do. I hate these (laughs) hypotheticals because I, you don't know what the roster is going to look like. You don't, you don't know like what the injury situation is going to look like. So I always hate these, but I will say this their schedule seems to be set up a lot easier. And I mean, their strength of schedule is third easiest in the league. It's certainly set up to be a lot easier than the schedules they've had in the past. And then you look at some of the breaks that they're even getting in December by getting the Eagles and the 49ers at home. Now that, that game on the road against the Ravens on Thursday night football is going to be rough. Right. Uh, but when I look at December, December is looking a lot easier than what they've had in the past. Um, it also seems like their bye week, the way that's at, is kind of giving them sort of like a real break in the middle in the middle of the season. I also think you've got there's going to be a lot more accountability with Mike McCarthy. Um, mm. I, it's a different voice. It's no different than I feel like when you get a new boss, you're sort of, you might it's, have been you, slacked- you
0: tighten You tighten up. You
1: even, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I might, I'm, I'm ironing my, my pants. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I've gone to the dry cleaners for my clothes. As opposed might to- trim,
0: I might trim my beard. Yes. You know, like, like, yeah. like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm not going to show up in a gray t-shirt with a scraggly weekend beard going on.
1: Right. But we hear it every year. It's like every year is the Cowboys year. Right. And so I've covered the team long. enough to be like every year and every year I'm like, eh, and I find myself sort of buying in, but back to the, the guys they have got on this team, some of the, I think the leaders that, that, that are now sort of stepping into their own, uh, you know, Leighton Vandresh is coming back healthy as ever. We've talked to him. Uh, they've, they've identified some needs on defense. The fact they've gotten Alden Smith back and the reports on him are so good. And you've got a guy like Joe He's McCoy who's as, as, as in shape as he is. And you've got Don Terry Poe, HaHa Clinton Dix. Like, go down the list. So I'm looking at defense, I'm looking at offense, and I'm looking at the schedule. And now I'm also looking at a coaching staff that has skins on the wall. I'm going, this offseason – Maybe Cowboys fans, you're on to something. So I'm going to say I could see that I, they're going to need, I think a 10 win season for it in, in order for it to be successful, given all of the sweeping changes that Jerry made. And I, and we keep talking about Jerry's got that window that's closing, right? Man, it's been like, I don't know what's holding that window up because it's been closing for. For
0: years now, I know it's insane. It's like propped up with like a giant, like golden stick that, like, just like you're like, all right, this is gonna break and it's gonna slam shut, and then like Dak out of nowhere when you think that, like, it's like, all right, Tony's done, this is over. And no, it just – it, you it's almost like this guy has the sort of fortune you would expect from an oil tycoon.
1: And I feel like Jerry's just gone all in. Like, I mean, even at draft, being on his yacht, he's like, you know, I'm all in. You know and it's like yeah. when your grandparents just start saying crazy stuff because they can Like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that's where Jerry's at. He's like, I'm just going all in because I can, which is why I find it so hard to believe that he wouldn't pay debt, but maybe God is, well, I'm going to give him an incentive to play and maybe put a little chip on his shoulder because he knows that's what – Maybe it's a carrot on the stick. I don't. I don't know if that's the right play mm-hmm. here, but i try to understand Jerry's psychology and all this. And Come I just, I, I keep having exactly, but I keep having a hard time believing that this thing doesn't get done by July 15th. But we'll okay. See.
0: So not only did you kick off the dad, like I didn't even asked you a question about dad to start this podcast. You just segue. I bring right it in. full circle. Especially you then bring it full circle. Unbelievable. The great Jane Slater at Slater NFL. Check out the uh, boys and girl podcast as well with the, you mentioned Bobby Belt. Watch NFL Network. She's all over it from her home studio, of course. Uh, Jane, thank you so much. This is a blast. Anytime, bud.